It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro and sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Hey, Dick. Um, how you doing? Hey, Doug. How are you doing? Good. Good. You know, the, the song should be Clowns to the Left, Jokers to the Right, Dougie to the South. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> he's in Florida. <laughs> You're right. Good. So um, the uh, Biden campaign, Biden has basically launched a initiative against Trump where his whole campaign now is warning what Trump is going to do if he's elected, what <laughs> Trump's second term would do. And uh, the warnings are chilling. They're really scary. <laughs> Except if you realize that he's been president for four years and didn't do any of that stuff. He did great things. And um, so, but Biden is, key, is hammering away at this. But Trump's coming back and saying, yeah, I mean, you are the one that's a threat to democracy, not me. So, I mean, just add them up. Uh, Biden didn't, I'm sorry, Trump did not lock up his opponent or try to lock up his opponent in the election. Right. Biden did. Trump is not opposed to making voters give photo ID before they vote. Trump, Biden is. Right. Trump, Biden worked on trying to get Trump indicted and under all kinds of judicial restraints. Uh, Trump didn't do that. Biden did. Biden didn't try, uh, Trump didn't try to issue gag orders on Biden. Biden tried to get gag orders issued against Trump. And one of the things we'll talk about a little later in the show is that Biden, while he probably can't get Trump thrown in jail, he apparently can get him locked in a courthouse. Uh, federal law says that if you are uh, that if you are the the, the victim or the uh, defendant in a criminal case, if at that level you have to be in court every day, so lock the door and close the phone lines. Trump has to be there basically during all of March, April, May, and even into June. Those are kind of interesting months for Trump because he has to run for president. That's it. But instead he's going to have to sit at the table and listen to the prosecutor drone on, listen to witness testimony, and eventually maybe testify himself. Well, Dick, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the judge when, the, when his lawyers try to move that? What do you think? What, how do you feel about that? I think the judge will just affirm that. The goal here is to stop Trump from getting elected president. Wow. And a really good way to do that is to lock him in a courtroom and not let him campaign. Mm. We, we've been talking about will Trump be locked up or not. Well, he will be, but not necessarily in jail, but in a courtroom. Right. And um, he will not be able to campaign. And we're talking now about some pretty valuable real estate here. February, when the primaries end, basically, and he'll be the nominee. March, April, May, and June, 
right before his convention. And they'll keep putting it off, uh, Biden's lawyers. They'll keep adjourning it so it keeps going longer. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, Trump, uh, so Trump is absolutely trapped now to be in the courthouse during this campaign. Which which one is this, by the way? I'm so confused. This is the federal indictment by Jack Smith. All right. Mama, can this really be the end to be stuck inside a movie with the Memphis blues again? To be stuck inside a movie with the Memphis blues again? So. He's not stuck inside a mobile, but he will be stuck inside of Washington uh, at a federal trial, uh, listening to testimony and arguments against him for month after month after month. So this is a real tactical and strategic problem with the Trump campaign. How do you have a campaign with a candidate who can't be in the campaign? Mm. And I think the answer to that is that Trump needs to campaign from the court. Right. The court, the stairs. Yeah, I mean, they won't let him have his phone in the court. But he has to be able, when the court is over, to go out and do his events and uh, and make and videotape stuff. And I think what he should do is go on the air and say to a rally uh, that they might be holding in somewhere in in Pennsylvania or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And say, you know, I would love to be with you today, but um, the court is making me stay here ah. in Washington, mm. not to participate. I don't open my mouth. It just happens, and I have to be there listening to it. Plus the gag order. Yeah, and then there's a gag order of limiting what he can, can say. Oh, my God. But um, it really means that, the, that this is a form of imprisonment of a presidential candidate. It really is. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther King wrote letters from a Birmingham jail, and in effect, Trump has to do the same thing. Uh, Letters from Foley Square, where he's going to be imprisoned during his trial. And uh, it's not a jail, of course, and he gets evenings off, but during the day when the news cycle is going on, when when people can, when the media is covering news, right. he's tied down there and he's got travel time problems too because he has to be back the next morning. So he probably can do it. every day this? Every uh... weekday. Whoa. So he probably can uh, do rallies in Pennsylvania of the swing states, but I don't think he can go much farther. I don't think he can risk being in Michigan. Oh, this is horrible. Um, so, this is a form of fascism too. Oh, it you know, certainly to, to is. shut him down it like certainly this. certainly is. And they're going to be, and what he has to do is show up and go to rallies with great big video screens there and have him address the rally over the video screen and let that become a symbol of how Biden is weaponizing the Justice Department to interfere in a presidential election. Right, the tyrant. Yeah, that's going to be so apparent and so obvious week after week after week. And, uh, and, And he'll make the point that these are ridiculous charges, these are insane charges. Uh, basically, just go back to the substance of it. What Smith is saying is that he expressed an opinion that the election was stolen. He expressed an opinion that the count was rigged. And those opinions were sufficiently destabilizing for the government of the United States <laughs> that he ought to be uh, 
convicted of, uh, of, of bad speech. The precedent everybody uses in this was Oliver Wendell Holmes during World War I yeah. when there were anti-draft riots uh, said that free speech does not mean you can yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. And uh, that's the precedent that people use. So you're allowed free speech unless the free speech is so pungent that it becomes a call to action, and that action is illegal. Now, that has some relevance conceivably in the January 5th trial, January 6th trial, but not in the uh, Jack Smith trial, which is the one that will be adjudicated during this period. And um, he's... But the snowflakes had to melt. They needed a safe place when he said this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he has got to... Uh, he is being persecuted and prosecuted for having an opinion ridiculous. about the election. So ridiculous. So we get this straight. They they fix the election. They steal it. Yeah. They, when we go to court to challenge it, they say we don't have jurisdiction. The court doesn't have jurisdiction. They stop an adjudication on the merits of the case. And then when Trump expresses an opinion that this case is rigged and that the count was wrong... He gets prosecuted for it and conceivably could go to jail for that. Wait, Dick, can you just explain what do you mean no jurisdiction? The court that he went to to yeah, tell, the, me, tell uh, me about the that? The Supreme Court right. said we have no jurisdiction to intervene in this case, Right. And uh, which is absurd. What do you have a Supreme Court for if not to intervene right. in a national election case like this? Mm-hmm. But they, they wimped out and they took that view. They probably did that because the court institutionally was burned in the Bush v. Gore case, where the partisan bias of the judges became very apparent. There was a 7-2 decision in favor with, with of the Bush. Florida, with the Florida vote? Yeah, with the Florida Chads. And Harris, stuff. I think her name was. Yeah, the, she was the Secretary of State, right. uh, who was a uh, Republican. Right. But uh, the court was so burned by this that they were determined to stay far away from controversy over the 2020 election. Yeah, but that's their job. It's their job, and... They basically hid under the desk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so, so the fact that they are prosecuting Trump for expressing an opinion at variance with the government uh, is just outrageous. Now, Biden is saying that Trump poses the greatest threat to our president, <laughs> to our democracy. Yeah. Because if we lost, because if we lose that, we lose everything. He said the other day he said he would be a dictator only on one day. Thank God, only on one day. So, wait, what, what was that about? Say that again. Trump gave a speech, right? And Sean, well, not a speech, an interview on Sean Hannity. Yeah. And Hannity said, "What? What do you say about the charges that you're going to be a dictator?" <laughs> and he said, "I wasn't a dictator in my first term, and I won't be one in the second term. Uh, I'm going to insist that we build a border wall, and I'm going to insist that." Um, that we uh, that we cracked down. I'm sorry, border wall, and there was something else. Right, right. And uh, but and and so if I'm if you say I'm a dictator, I'll be a dictator for the first day when I do that. And I asked him about it. I said, "You're being criticized for that," and he said, "I was being sarcastic." Yeah, right. I was saying, you know, okay, I'll be a dictator for one day. But Biden is taking that out of context and of literally, course. and using it to say that Trump is basically admitting that he's going to be a dictator. I feel like all of this Biden stuff is just going to backfire. Well, it is, I think. You know, like that and then the other thing we were talking about with the, uh, what did he say, just the last, uh, whatever. The, um, 
uh, about the wall and building the wall. Yeah, and a democracy. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Even with the court where um, he can't rally, that's going to buy, that's going to uh, yeah. um, bite him in the butt. It really is, uh, because people will see Trump giving a speech. They'll want to be there. They'll know that people want to be there. And they will come. Yeah, and they'll be barred from, and Trump will be barred from giving that speech and he uh, could, because he, he has to be in the courtroom. Yeah, he could use the fascism thing. Look at me. I have to do this from uh, the steps of the courthouse. Yeah, that's right. You know, so so, could use so this is really an effect imprisonment uh, in the courthouse, and uh, and it's 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 terrible that this is happening. It really is. Horrible. I think it's going to, as you say, backfire massively. I think so. I hope so. Now, one of the charges that Biden is making against Trump is that he's a racist. <laughs> and they have spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to prove that point by saying it over and over and over. And uh, John Jordan, the California political expert, and I... Brilliant, brilliant guy. ...did a survey of a 1,000 black voters in the U.S., and we found that Trump is winning 22% of the black vote, which is extraordinary. He got, 18, he got 12% in 2020. And he got 8% in 2018, 2016. Uh, but now he's getting 22%, uh, two and a half times what he got eight years ago and twice what he got four years ago. Right. Um, but we found in the poll that a large number of black voters feel that Trump is a racist. 22% uh, say he's not, and those are the people who are all voting for us, which is extraordinary. But the point is that we have to do something to rebut these charges that Trump is a racist. And when we come back, I'll tell you what it is we're going to do. And you ain't black. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro and sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. So, before we get to the issue of Biden's racism, which I will do thoroughly, there are a few calls that I want to take related to the imprisonment I was just talking about, which Trump will be locked in a mm. courtroom. Uh, for three or four months on a campaign. Just be clear about the events. Uh, most likely, uh, Trump is going to win heavily in Iowa on December 15th, uh, January 15th. Right. And then uh, probably win heavily a week later, and then in any case win heavily in uh, Nevada two weeks later, and then three weeks later win in South Carolina. All those wins should put to rest any question about somebody else being nominated. Right. So I expect that by early March, Trump will be the de facto Republican nominee. He is now, right. but it'll be official. It won't be official, but it'll be clear. So as soon as that happens, and then on March 5th, there's Super Tuesday, when Texas and California and a whole bunch of other large states vote, and Trump is going to sweep them all. In fact, he might get California unanimously under really? rule change. And, and he will be the Republican candidate. And he will get that news 
locked in a courtroom, uh, unable to leave, unable to go out and speak. And, uh, I mean, it's the most incredible imposition on democracy you can imagine. Absolutely. And there is no reason to have this trial now. It's not like uh, the witnesses are going away. It's not like the evidence expires. It's not like there's an ongoing harm being done. The only reason to have this trial now is to try to stop Trump from being elected right. by getting a verdict early enough so it can influence people's votes in the election. And now they're trying to do it by making the process such that he can't speak and defend himself. Just incredible. Horrible. Now, uh, Andrew has some interesting thoughts in, from Stanhope. Hey, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. When Trump does rallies in predominantly inner cities, African-American communities, he say it's a you ain't black tour. And <laughs> another reason why um, I think Trump is popular with African-Americans, because his personality is genuine, where Biden says, y'all, they're going to put y'all back in chains. Yeah, right. You yeah. ain't black. So he's and you ain't black. <laughs> so he talks down and he's condescending. Absolutely. And he should talk about prison reform yeah. and show the video of Obama saying there's a racist element. Yep. Yet Obama had a two-year supermajority, and he didn't change it. Yep. And also the platinum plan. I don't always agree with Al Sharpton, but as far as like black-owned businesses in the inner cities, I always see minority. I always see like immigrants owning the businesses, which is fine. But if it's in a black neighborhood, the platinum plan, they should of course own the businesses too. So if Trump focuses, the only platinum I've heard of is on my frequent flyer program. But <laughs> thanks for letting me know. And um, your number one record for singing. Yeah, let's go to Pamela in New Jersey. Hey, Pamela. Hi, Pam. Hey, good afternoon, and I hope your friend on the motorcycle is okay. Um, yeah, oh, well, no, well, that's something else. Oh, he passed away? Yeah, oh. he passed away. It's okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, we love him. Okay. He's a good. Jack O'Malley, Yonkers MC, yeah. the oldest motorcycle club in the world, Yonkers MC. What, 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 what was it called? Yonkers MC, Yonkers Motorcycle Club, the oldest club in the world. Motorcycle oh, okay. Club no, because my, my husband's um, uncle, uh, he worked in uh, the Harley shop for years. He knows mm. a lot of stuff. And my nice. mother-in-law is kind of a famous motor maid, and really? uh, she's 98. <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah, she, she, she rode up until a few years back. That's but, great. But um, anyway, anyway th this whole thing with imprisonment reminds me of a classic I read in middle school. It's called A Man Without a Country by Edward Everett Hale. It's a short story, I believe fiction, but now not so much anymore. How do you spell the last anymore. name? <laughs> uh, Hale, H-A-L-E. Okay, good. Uh, Edward Everett, E-V-E-R-E-T-T. -E -T. Okay, so tell me what's in it. Hale. And it's about a lieutenant colonel in colonial times who is accused of doing something treasonous. So his sentence is to ride international waters for the rest of his life <sighs> and never to hear or read any news about the United States ever again. <laughs> that's great. Well, sometimes that'd be a blessing, but <laughs> that's something. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, check it out. I don't folks. have to look it up. Dick Morris will look it up for me. <laughs> check it out, folks. Thank you, Pamela. I appreciate that. Let's go to Tony in Clifton. Hello, Doug. Hello, Hi, Tony. Dick. Hi, Tony. Hi. I wanted to focus on 
on the imprisonment, you know, the British, I'm seeing a lot of similarities to what the British did to the Americans before we fought the revolution. And they would come here and they would um, put people in jail, beat them up. Um, and then we had the tea parties and all that. But what they also did was they would imprison in the Tower of London our dignitaries, one of our dignitaries, I can't think of his name. He was in prison, Lawrence, I think it was Henry Lawrence, mm. for several months, over a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm seeing is this kind of a sort of a British kind of a, you got to keep, we got to keep you in your place. So that's an aside. But I call because the timing of everything that's happening to President Trump, including the threat and imprisonment, needs to be highlighted when he talks about, you know, his experiences. Because he really, as he always alludes to when he says, I'm doing this for you. But people don't really realize they're pulling out all these bogus charges just like the the Marxists did when they went into a country like Ukraine and yep. all the people who knew better were in prison just to get out of their way. Yeah, right. So this correlation is something that I think the American yeah. people it's don't quite get yet. An and interesting thought. It is. I think that everybody's been f- so focused on the question of will they lock Trump up in prison? And uh, I'm trying to make the point that confining a presidential candidate for several months in the middle of his campaign is tantamount to being in prison, and we have to look at it that way. So, thank you, Tony. You know, Dick, um, you talk to Trump constantly, and, you know, I was down there last year a lot, uh, you know, talking to him, doing all the artwork in Mar-a-Lago. And as a street guy, and he's a street guy, he really is. I don't care. He's a I billionaire. I love it. Which son is it? Yeah, uh, Donald, who says he's a... Uh, Eric, I think, Eric, says, he says he's, he's a, a blue-collar billionaire. That's funny. Anyway, I've talked to him so many times. about regular. So he would ask me, is that your bike outside? What is that? And, oh, yeah. what, are you, what kind of thing is this? And the, the, the gang, like he asked me specifically. He is not a racist in any way whatsoever. Yeah. He doesn't have any of that that they keep putting at him at all. Yeah. You know, you talk street with them, or just normal. And he's always a gentleman all the time. So anyway, I just had to say that. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Joe Biden's racism. That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. That's just the way it is. Well, let me just go through some of the things that Biden has done and said that indicate that he is the true racist in this election. He said that Latin Americans do not want to get vaccinated um, because they're afraid they'll be vaccinated and deported. (laughs) He said that. He said that. (laughs) He said um, the one you're playing, he was on a radio show in Philadelphia, and he said, if you're not sure whether you're going to vote for Biden or for Trump, you ain't black. Yeah, right. Right. He he told, uh, he said that if Mitt Romney were elected, he would put you all back in chains. Oh, my God, that was horrible. Black audiences. He said that the black youth, that he was defending the bill that he, that he voted for and I think sponsored, 
to have mandatory minimum sentences for even for nonviolent offenders who were linked up with drug trafficking. And that's typically the girl who drove the, the car, drove the guy uh, to New York, and it turns out that the, the trunk was filled with drugs, and he oh, didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. And she now is indicted in, as a mule and may face a mandatory life sentence. And Biden said that that was okay because black youth are predators who need to be taken out of society. Right, that was way back, right? Predators yeah. uh-huh. who need to be taken out of society. Right. And you ain't black. Yeah, and Hillary said that too, right? About the predators. No, no, she, she said that the deplorables was her phrase. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep your keep your. What about when Biden straight. said if if you you have to have an Indian accent if you go to a Seven yeah. Eleven or gonna, something I'm to that come effect? To that too. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I it's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, Biden said that Black Americans are illiterate because their parents can't read or write themselves. <laughs> He said it was <laughs> He said it was very hard to get blacks uh to to be literate because their parents can't read or write themselves. Oh my goodness. And then Biden said in what he regarded as a pro pro civil rights statement, poor kids are just as bright as white kids. <laughs> now, that he's could, like a moron. This time he's like Yogi Berra. <laughs> yeah, right. But he's just like a total moron. Because I'm an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, Chris. You're doing well. Yeah, you're doing good. He's good. Um, in 2010, Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia oh, died. Ku Klux Klan. And he was the former exalted Cyclops in the <laughs> Ku Klux Klan. That was his title. Exalted no. Cyclops. What? No, that's a joke. That's capital E and capital C. Exalted Cyclops <laughs> in the Ku Klux Klan. And Biden referred to him in the funeral, in the eulogy, as one of my mentors and said the Senate is going to be a lesser place for his going. Hey, you know, I was in that movie uh, Black Klansman, Uh the Spike Lee movie. Right. On my motorcycle. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. So, and and I remember that I used to work for Senator Trent Lott of Mississippi, and he was hounded out of being majority leader because he— eulogized Strom Thurmond, the right. senator from South Carolina. Remember that. And said you were, there were so many things you said that were right. Um, and, and here Biden is saying the same thing basically about Byrd. Yeah. Um, he's a Democrat. He could say that. In 2007, he said that he had welcomed Barack Obama's candidacy running for president because he was the first mainstream African-American who is articulate, bright, and clean. <laughs> The first mainstream black American who is articulate <laughs> and bright and clean. What a moron. And then what Doug said in 2006, he said, you cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. <laughs> I remember that. So they don't care. when we come back, we, we have a lot more of Biden's racist stuff. Oh, son of a bitch. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show. This is <coughs> Dick Morris with Joe, with, with Joe Biden, with um, Doug DePiro. <laughs> my sidekick who is in Florida and uh, 
the and and this is sponsored, of course, by the Patriot Gold Group. One of Biden's key initiatives as senator, in fact, the key argument he used to get reelected senator in 1977, 76, and 77, is that he was the leading opponent in the Senate of school busing to achieve integration. That was the big controversy back then. Opponent. Opponent right. of school busing. Uh-huh. He said that uh, forced busing to desegregate schools meant that white children like his own would, quote, grow up in a racial jungle. Unless we do something about this, my children are going to grow up in a jungle, the jungle being a racial jungle, with tensions having built so high that it's going to explode at some point. And he worked very hard to pass segregationist legislation to bar the Justice Department from ordering school busing as a means of achieving racial integration. Hmm. Absolutely on the wrong side of a very, very important issue. He said that then Mississippi Senator John Stennis, who was one of the two leaders of the uh, segregationist Democrats in the Senate, the other was Richard Russell, he said he was his hero and that he stood for the rock-bound integrity of the United States Congress. Biden also loves to make up stories. He said that he spent decades uh, that, that's a, in, as part of the civil rights movement, falsely claiming that he marched and helped desegregate businesses. Um, he said in particular that he went to the South, went to Mississippi, went to Selma, and worked to promote black voter registration and civil rights legislation. Hmm. This got four Pinocchios from the Washington Post because he never went near Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia or any of those states during the segregation era. And even back at home in Wilmington, Delaware, where he lived, he said that he let a sit-in at a restaurant to desegregate it, and that's a total lie. And there are a series of restaurants on I-40, which is the main drag that goes through Delaware. And he said that he worked on sit-ins and demonstrations at each of those restaurants to integrate them. Never true. Hmm. And after all this came out that it was a lie, Biden admitted that he never marched, but again and again claimed that he came, came out of the civil rights movement. He in particular invented a story that when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison in South Africa, he was there to welcome him. This is shades of Forrest Gump. <laughs> right. And he was, there, he was there to welcome him, and he met with him because he wanted to uh, learn about how to oppose racism and how to advance uh, equality. Um, in fact, and he even said that he was looking to meet, to be with Nelson Mandela, but they wouldn't let him do it. And he was arrested uh, by the cops in South, in South Africa for trying to see mm. Nelson Mandela either before or right after he was arrested. Totally fanciful. Right. Never happened. Completely wrong. In 1987, he bragged about receiving an award from Alabama Governor George Wallace, who was the, ran for president as a segregationist. His famous quote is, segregation now, now and forever. And um, he was really the epitome of conservative reactionary segregationists. Uh, he said that George Wallace is someone who's not afraid to stand up and offend people. 
He certainly was right about that one. Yeah, right about that one. They asked him on the show why Delaware, which was a slave state, did not join the South in seceding from the Union. And he said, well, we couldn't figure out how to get there, how to get to the South. <laughs> you see, Delaware is surrounded by Maryland, and Maryland still chose to stay in the Union. So Delaware couldn't really try to leave uh, because there was no access on land to uh, to Maryland. He said that uh, he wanted. He said that those who display the Confederate flag are fine people. About the same charge against uh, that was Trump. His, yeah, right. In '93, he said that. 93, right. 1993. Right. He voted right. to restore U.S. citizenship for Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, the commander of the Confederate armies and the president of the Confederate Confederate uh, States of America, the CSA. Right. He told the newspaper in Delaware that he did not buy the belief that the black man should get a head start on the white man just because of a 300-year history of suppression of African Americans. Um, hmm. So, and, and now he is, is kind of hoist on that petard because he's implied that he's in favor of reparations for blacks, even though who, they have ancestors who were slaves even though um, then he opposed it. He's quoted right. saying, folks, when I started in public life in the civil rights movement, we marched to change attitudes. I remember what galvanized me, Bull Connor and his dogs in Selma, Alabama. He just never traveled to Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, or any other southern state during this era. Mm. This guy just keeps... It's, 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 you know, I said it's like Forrest Gump. It's a cross between Forrest right. Gump and Walter Mitty. Yeah, Horace Gump, who says, I was there, I was there, I was there, when he wasn't. And Walter Mitty, who fashions himself and imagines himself being a great hero and a uh, a fantastic guy, and in fact, he wasn't any of that. Um, right. This is the fantasy world of Joe Biden. Um, he just believe after a while, you, you say it so much, you believe it, right? Yeah, he does. He also said that yeah. in Wilmington, Delaware, he occupied a segregated movie theater and was with a group of demonstrators who were arrested when they refused to leave. He said he led a high school boycott in high school of a whites-only grill in Wilmington, Delaware. There's no record of any of that. Complete fabrication. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Um, this should be printed on a billboard all in the the, the minority areas where there's voting. This well, should be Big billboards I proposed this. to President Trump that he give a speech in Fulton County, uh, Georgia, where yeah. he's going to be on mm -hmm. trial about Biden being racist. We really have to have to make sure that that happens. And you ain't black. We should have, and we should have big signs with. The, seriously, I'm yep. reading this, Dick. This should be all printed out on big, gigantic billboards in areas. Let, and people walk by and they, they drive by and they look at it. Now when, not a bad idea. When Biden opposed school busing, he did so in a very racist way. <clears throat> he said, what school busing says is that in order for your child with curly black hair, brown eyes, and dark skin oh, to be able to God. learn anything, he needs to sit next to my blonde-haired, blue-eyed son. Who the hell do, we think oh, they, do they think we are? that only the way a black oh man or woman can learn is if they rub shoulders with my white child. 
read that quote again. You really have documentation of him yep. saying that? Oh, that should that. be. Oh this, he said Repeat that. He said that. Uh, what did Joe just say? Repeat the line. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> what this? What school, hey, Christian, I love it. He's great. What school busing says is, in order for your child with curly black hair, brown eyes, and dark skin God. to be able to learn anything, he needs to sit next to my blonde-haired, blue-eyed son. <laughs> Who the hell do they think we are? That the only way a black man or woman can learn is if they rub shoulders with my white child. Unbelievable oh that he said that. Unbelievable when did he, he thinks that. Circa. Yes, um, circa. When 19, did he say that? Late 1970s. You see, he wow. ran for president in 1978, and a big part of his right. campaign was that he's opposed to school busing. In fact, he right. asked to join the Senate Judiciary Committee when he got elected to the Senate uh, so that he could lead the charge against school busing. And in 1979, Biden voted in favor of of tax exemption for private schools that were called white flight academies. They were basically in cities in the South where there were court-ordered integration. And then private schools would be set up and private schools were getting federal tax exemption because they were educational institutions. And he was one of 54 senators who voted in 1979 to keep up that, that designation. <laughs> um, so basically subsidizing segregation. Right. Contextually, it was not until 1974 or 76 that the white flight academies were closed down. Uh, because uh, Johnson and Nixon uh, opposed them and stripped them of their federal tax-exempt status. Mm -hmm. But uh, Biden wanted to prolong it. And then the most interesting one of them all. From 1971 to 1974, Biden's legal residence had a deed making it illegal to leave your property to black owners. It was called a restrictive covenant. And in many of the racist states, this was the norm, that when you rented an apartment or when you bought an apartment or a house, you had to, there was a covenant that went with the land, kind of like a zoning restriction, that said that you could not sell or rent your house to a black person. And, wow. Um, like, like in my house in Connecticut, right. there's a restrictive covenant saying that I have to keep four of the five acres undeveloped because they're part of a nature preserve. Right, right. And that goes with the land. That can't be superseded by any law, any court decision or anything. Right. And this was a restrictive covenant, a racial covenant. Wow. And it was a a commonplace thing in the 1970s. And it was trying to do federal or it was a state? It's state. Uh And uh, for four years, Biden had a restrictive covenant on his legal residence. Oh, oh. God. yeah. You got to use that when they talk about Trump and the, he didn't want blacks in the building, which is untrue anyway. Yeah. Well, That's the story true. about that is that uh, <clears throat> is that the feds insisted that Trump's that Donald Trump's father's properties be integrated, and um, that was back in the '60s and '70s. Right. And, uh, and they were, and there was no problem with that. And in any case, Donald didn't own them. Fred did, his father. That's right. That's and right. Donald was just a boy. He had no 
no control over that. That's right. But so, it's good to bring that up. When they bring that up, to bring up the uh, the other thing you talked about. Yeah. The, so this is the guy who's now posing as the defender of black people. He, he's, he's trying to get his usual 90% of the black vote. But in fact, he's now down to about, in a four-way race, my poll showed, that if you had a four-way race of Biden, Trump, Kennedy, and um, and uh, Cornell West, right. independent black candidate, yeah. Biden would only get 55% of the vote, not his usual 90. And 15% of the black voters voted for either Kennedy or Cornell West rather than Biden. Right. And 16% said they were undecided rather than vote for uh, either rather than vote for Biden. Mm. So there is a tremendous potential to grow the Trump sentiment among the black community. Um, but it's restricted because 22% believe that he's a racist. And but we can blow that out that Trump margin up to about 40 or 45% if we can establish that Biden is the real racist and that there is no comparable history of quotes or actions by these, by Donald Trump, Not even close. that has anything to do with saying that he's racist. You have to understand that Joe Biden is a, was a Southern senator from a Southern state. The 11 states of the Confederacy were obviously, uh, obviously Confederate. Sure. But uh, in addition, Delaware, Maryland, and Missouri and Kentucky were also segregationists, and there was a big battle as to whether they should secede or stay with the Union. And Lincoln had a great way to persuade them to stay. He locked up everybody in the state legislature that wanted them to secede. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and Delaware found itself trapped because he did that in Maryland, so Delaware didn't succeed, secede. Yeah. But Delaware was always a southern state and a segregationist state, and Biden went along with it to get elected. And you know, Joe, uh, I was going to call you Joe. And you know, Dick, Joe, when Biden, when you see um, tapes of Biden talking like this, you could see he's proud of it. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh he campaigned on it. It was yeah. the reason he got reelected. Right. And he said, I tried to get on the Judiciary Committee to oppose busing. So well, when we just, come back, we'll hear about a particularly outrageous proposal, in fact, a law in the state of Michigan that requires requires everybody who's released from prison on a felony to register to vote. Oh, my God. Is there anybody in there? What am I doing here? Is there anyone home? This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Um, I mentioned this before, Michigan has just passed a law requiring that felons, when they're released from prison, get letters from the state saying, congratulations on your release, you are now automatically registered to vote, so please exercise your franchise. <laughs> now, God. Now, this was, this was um, 
this is the end of a process that's been going on. I love Elvis. I love Elvis. Originally, all states banned people from voting if they were convicted of felonies. Then gradually it lifted. And now there are actually, uh, there are only three states that ban felons from voting. I'm sorry. There are three states that actually permit felons to vote while they're in jail. Uh, And more and more states have been making it possible for people convicted of felonies to vote. The civil rights leaders call, and the Democratic Party calls it felony disenfranchisement, like something happened to them that strips them of the right to vote. What happened to them is they convicted of the crime. They killed somebody, they robbed somebody, they raped somebody, and and we've expelled them from the franchise. Right. And the left is taking the position that, look, they did their sentence. They served their time, although often with parole and often with probation. And you can't hold it over their heads for the rest of their lives. Okay, well, that makes some sense. But the immediate impact is that there are one and a half million former felons in the United States. And we have about 165 million voters in the presidential election. So about 1% of the vote could be cast by people who've been convicted of felonies, who are overwhelmingly minority and vote overwhelmingly Democrat. And Michigan has now gone the furthest of any state, saying not only can you register to vote, you automatically are registered to vote when you get released. Automatically? Automatically. Like you, you don't can, have to go to DMV or anything? No, and you can opt no. out. You can oh, say, I nice. don't want to register, but oh, nice. you're automatically registered. So the Democrats really think that these guys are going to vote Democrat, pretty much. Yeah, they do. Now, of course, the main rationale for not registering to vote is you don't want to be called for jury duty. (laughs) These guys, I think, (laughs) are past that because they've already been subpoenaed and they're now in jail. They're going to have a bumper sticker, vote for Biden, he's a criminal too. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) That's good. He knows what it takes. (laughs) This is not a joke. No, it's not. It just sounds like it when you say it. So Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, is giving Mm -hmm. this birthday party to the Democratic Party, uh, trying to win uh, several points of the vote in Michigan by ending felony disenfranchisement, as the Democrats call it. Now, none of us... Michigan's a blue state, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's purple. It's uh probably the ultimate swing state, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Right. Now... None of us would go to a store that was sponsored by Hamas <laughs> if they told us there was a great bargain on something or other and we should go to this store and get products made by Hamas and help support and subsidize Hamas. Burkers. Yeah, I don't think we'd do it. Yeah, right, that that was something else. <laughs> and um, yet the uh, an analysis by the... Um, I'm forgetting the name of the group. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, a group, but the Middle East Empowerment Group says that between two and that between two and three million dollars, 
sorry, between two and three billion dollars of the budget that, that the Hamas annual budget in Gaza is two to three billion. But at least five hundred million of that is provided by the Hamas Charity Coalition. Wow. And these are tax exempt charities that are masquerading as charities while they're in fact subsidizing Hamas. And you need to be careful about working with any of these vendors because they are their money goes to Hamas. PayPal, Fidelity, Shell, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Schwab, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Did I ring your bell with any of those? We'll wow. talk more when I come back. Wow. Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, this is Dick Morris. Welcome back to my show. With Doug DePiro, and we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Hey, Dick. You know, the <clears throat> the ownership of WABC, John Katzmatidis. Great guy. He's a wonderful guy. We heard his wife, Margot, on the air a yep, few, that was good, few times ago for Gristides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, they do not control the news broadcasts that the station airs. Those are written and controlled by ABC Network. And they're very leftist, and I think they're disgusting the news segments. There was one that we just heard a minute ago that said that Netanyahu uh, is under criticism because of the ongoing indiscriminate bombing of women and children in Gaza. Yeah. And they quoted some guy as saying, uh, we have to get away from the idea that we can solve this problem by killing more women and children. This is outrageous. And this is, again, the the trope, the line that the left is trying to use. Right. That somehow after they slaughtered 1,200 people, that when Israel is bombing to try to eradicate Hamas, and Hamas is hiding in schools, schools and, and hospitals right. and uh-huh. daycare centers, yeah. uh, specifically to use them as human shields to stop the Israelis from wiping right. them out. Horrible uh, is, and, and that somehow that is Israeli racism and genocide is absolutely turning everything on its head. And it's horrible that WABC News let themselves be party to that really in is. that news coverage. Um, you know, credibility to stupidity. Okay, so do you use PayPal? Do you, use, do you bank at Fidelity? Do you gas up at Shell? Mm-hmm. Do you bank at J.P. Morgan? Mm-hmm. Do you bank at Bank of America? Do you invest with Schwab? Or do you give to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? If you do, you are giving to Hamas. You don't make the check payable to Hamas, but you might as well, because those organizations are receiving or funneling money to Hamas uh, as part of their, quote, charitable activities, uh, which is is just horrible. And they're hiding behind the names of brands that have some credibility. 
Now, one of the other things that's going on that's a real concern for keeping money and assets away from the terrorist groups is that American universities get huge amounts of money from foreign countries, um, close to $250 million annually of money from other countries that goes to American colleges and universities. One of the biggest of those was $58 million that the University of Pennsylvania got from anonymous donors in China, and they won't reveal the names of them. The head of the University of Pennsylvania just had to resign over issues of anti-Semitism, but before that happened, her predecessor, who was confirmed, appointed by Biden to be ambassador to Germany and skated through a confirmation hearing without ever talking about it, uh, refuses to say how much of that money went to the Biden Institute and mm. how much of that went to Biden himself and how much to Blinken, the Secretary of State. We, I reported in my book, Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money, that China, in effect, had Biden on its payroll for an entire year, for, for four years, rather, after he left the vice presidency. He was basically out of a job. And between the period when he left his vice president and the period he started as president, the University of Pennsylvania paid him an annual salary of a million dollars and paid Blinken, his future secretary of state, a salary and paid nine members of the current Biden national security team salaries. Hmm. So basically our president and our secretary of state used to be on the Chinese payroll and University of Pennsylvania will not disclose how much. I was just going to ask you, Dick, yeah. how, how um, the paper trail, how, how can, you, we, can we actually look into that yeah. or not well, really? The paper trail is, is, is it hidden clear. well? Well, there were anonymous donations. Right. And the university knows who they were. We know that most, that almost all of the anonymous donations were anonymous Chinese donations. Uh huh. So we, you know, they weren't from Belgium or something. Right. And uh, and we we can't go further than that. But right. that's pretty far. Wow. Now, okay. American universities have been under very weak legislation uh, about disclosing foreign gifts to contracts, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Almost a sixth of all the money foreign foreign countries invest in colleges and universities goes unreported. Over $6 billion goes unreported. For decades, many universities have ignored the requirement that they have to report foreign gifts or contracts. And that's precisely so the kind of thing that happened with Biden doesn't happen all over the place, Mm -hmm. that these universities are not basically performing as surrogates for another country. Even if the universities complied with the, with the ban, they did not need to disclose the purposes for which the funds were used, a loophole that allows foreign states like Qatar and China quietly to fund potentially disreputable protests or individuals. The Middle East Forum, MEF, has long advocated for greater transparency in the billions of dollars flowing annually to academia from overseas. It especially sounded the alarm about funds from Qatar, a major state patron of Hamas, a danger that Congress has now highlighted after years of research by the Mideast Foundation. The fundamental problem with the lack of enforcement and penalties for those who violate it is it requires far too little disclosure 
about what the foreign dollars are being used for. Uh, but the uh, this is a terrible problem, and uh, Congress has now passed, the House has now passed, by bipartisan vote, and it really was bipartisan, strengthening the compliance requirements, strengthening the sanctions against those who fail to comply, and demanding that, that people really come clean about the money they're getting from foreign governments. Where's the money? Yeah, that's right. Um, now, one of the other issues that I think some people raised in call-ins on this show is China is trying to buy farmland in the United States. And uh, recently the white widow of the mayor of Moscow uh, bought, hired a real estate broker named Hunter Biden <laughs> to locate properties for her in the United States. Is this a new thing for him? He's a real estate broker? Yeah, he's, he's all kinds of things. He's an uh -huh, energy uh -huh. executive. He's a oh, yeah. solar energy expert. He's oh, yeah. A, laptop. Uh, yeah, laptop <laughs> maintenance guy. Yeah, right. and, um, and, and China is now buying farmland near military bases in Texas and North Dakota. And um, 34 states are considering bans on the acquisition of real estate by foreign governments, particularly China. Mm -hmm. And 12 have actually passed the bans. Good. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. <laughs> a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could <laughs> you be Rogers. mine? Thank you, Mr. Rogers. And he's putting his sweater on and his shoes, his little yeah, that's right. skippies. Now, something very good has passed the House, or it will, is about to pass the House. <clears throat> the House, as you recall, is they're currently deadlocked over uh, $100, million, $100 billion of aid to uh, Israel and Ukraine and uh, aid to stop uh, communist aggression in those countries, mm -hmm. and also to to increase our stockpiles of weapons. Now, the Republicans are pressing amendments to the bill and saying they won't vote for it without them that strengthen our efforts against uh, the, an open border, that strengthen our border enforcement. And a lot of it is money for more border guards and stuff like that and mm -hmm. into the catch and release policy where okay. when they catch somebody, as soon as they process them, they let them go. What Trump says is process them, let them go, but let them go into Mexico, not into the United States. Yeah, good. Yeah. Don't don't let them come here and be released here. But one of the right, things... Right, like if somebody's running across the street, you stop them, you throw them back on the other side of the street. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Particularly if there's traffic. Right. <laughs> now, um... One of the things Republicans are pushing for that is terrific is mandatory electronic monitoring, like ankle bracelets, mm -hmm. for anyone who has been arrested and not detained. Uh, in other words, when they release them, they're still not here legally. They're still here illegally, and their status is unresolved pending further adjudication. But they, they set foot here already. That's right. And they good. were arrested attempting to enter the United States. Good, good. But we haven't gotten the docket to their case mm -hmm. to try them and go after them. And they melt into the country. Sure. Uh, 
we have, I think they call them, there's a word for it that's horribly innocuous, something like uh, unlocatable or something. But <laughs> right. about oh, yeah. two million people in the last few years have been arrested on our side of the border, imprisoned, then released, and released into the United States. And the Republicans are saying if you're going to release them, which they probably have to do because of the amount of space that they would consume, uh, they need to have electronic detention, electronic right. monitors like ankle bracelets. Uh-huh. I was going to say what... You know, I see a new business coming from this. A guy in a big van that'll cut those bracelets right off your ankle. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, bracelet I mean, removal. Yeah. yeah, bracelet removal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, so I think that that's really good, and I think it's really good that under Johnson, the Republicans in the House are demanding major changes in the border security policy mm -hmm. uh, in return for voting for foreign aid funds. I think that is terrific, and I think we all ought to give Johnson a round of applause Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Dick. It, what is the, the law to, and I, I kind of know this, I know what you're going to say, they come over and put set foot on our land and they get all of our rights and laws and whatnot. Yes. Can we grab them and put them back into Mexico? What is the story with that? To legally? grab them, we need to arrest them. Right. We need to have probable cause. It's reviewable by judges. Oh, my God. And, uh, and they can delay it for a long time. Right. So uh, it. that's why Trump's change, which was catch and release, but release in Mexico, right. is very important because the rights do not flow with, with the immigrant. They flow with his feet. <laughs> if one of them is in the United States, uh, he, in he inherits all of our constitutional no, that, rights. That's my, that's, that was my question catch them before they get into the United States? That means we're in Mexico then. How, how are you catching them before they step onto... Well, I think what they do is that they have facilities in Mexico on the border ah. and catch them there and don't ah. release them into the U.S. Very good. Pretty sure that's what they do. Good, good, good. Now, um, I have a question from Sandra here, and I don't understand it, but look Hi, good. Sandra. So, hi, Sandra. How are you doing? Hi. Happy holidays to you both. Happy holidays. Oh, thank you so much. Here's my last week. We discussed about how new mysterious viruses come into our country and God mm -hmm. knows what the government will do with that to impede our freedom. So there's a new twist to this, Dick, and I know you're the one that can really figure this out and spread the word. So it's a it's a it's a piece of it's an article called 2.13. And what this article is saying is that if, the, if you have any kind of illness, if they suspect you have any kind of illness, they can come to your house, take you, take your child, quarantine you for as long as they choose, treat you however they want to, even with stuff that they're testing, and you have no rights to fight it. You can't go to a lawyer. You, you have no rights. Now, George Bonello fought this 
against Hochul, and he lost, and it was just reinstated like a week or two ago. Who is George now, Canelo. this is scary. Senator of New York, state senator of New uh-huh. York, uh-huh. and um, and here's my concern. Suppose I go to the doctor and I say to my doctor that quote I trust. Oh, I don't think I want these vaccinations. I think I'll pass. You don't know how this doctor is tied to the government, or you don't know the demands mm. the government will put on your doctor to tell on you. So yeah. this is scary stuff. It is, um, Doug. Yes. Would you do me a favor and contact the Senator Sanders talking about? Pinello. Uh, yeah. And how do you spell his name? Sandra. Yes. How do you spell the Senator? uh Article 2.13. And if you go to New York 2.13 and Google it, you'll see everything about it. Good. So please get that, Doug, and tell me about it so we can talk about it. Thank you very much, Sandra, for Thank bringing you, that Sandra. to my attention. I really appreciate that. And let's call so, 2.13. Got it. Yeah. So when we come back, um, there was something really embarrassing in the last polling by Stanley Greenberg and Pat Cadell, the two leading Democratic pollsters. I, I got Greenberg fired when, when Clinton <laughs> hired me. And, you did? Uh, yeah. And Clinton said, I hired you instead of Stanley because... Greenberg never told me what to say. <laughs> Pat Cadell was the guy with the gray in his beard, yeah. I think. Yeah. Pat Cadell became Republican after that and was he very did? good. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I worked closely with him in the Romney campaign. But um, but anyway, uh, there's, they did a poll and they came out with a really surprise finding that we'll talk about in a minute. He said The poll said that elements of Biden's base... When you just poll his base, blacks, Latinos, young people, single women, and so on, that Trump has higher favorability among those voters than Biden does. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come That's back. That's awesome. My time's up. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show. This is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro, and we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. So It's an honor, Dick Morris. It's fun. <laughs> Democratic pollster and political strategist Stanley Greenberg said Friday on CNN's Outfront that the Democratic Party's base voters gave President, former President Donald Trump higher approval ratings than President Joe Biden. I love it. Guest host John King said, this is grim. These are the words of a veteran Democratic pollster, Stanley Greenberg, who teams up with James Carville at the Democracy Corps. He found that young voters, black voters, Hispanic voters, LGBTQ voters, all of them collectively give Donald Trump a higher approval rating than Joe Biden. Hmm. The most beautiful girl in the world. Picks my tires out, she eats my candy, she drinks my brandy. Most beautiful girl in the world. The most beautiful girl in the world. 
picks my ties, out cheats my candy, she drinks my brandy. Most beautiful girl in the world. That's so great. Just a little side, Dick Morris. Yeah. Right. You said you had Stanley Greenberg um, yeah, fired, right. but didn't you hire James Carville or bring him into the Clinton? Uh, yes, James? I did. Right? Um, I have a checkered history. Uh, uh. In, when Clinton ran for president in 1992, I had become a Republican, and I couldn't work for him. So he asked me, who would you recommend in the Democratic Party who's most like you? And I said, <laughs> James, James Carville. like you? Well, he was, he's a poll-based <laughs> theory, and, and he does, and he, he's a pretty good consultant. Yeah. And um, I've, I've always reminded James of that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but, he speaks funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 James Carville. And the only problem with him is he needs subtitles to translate <laughs> his English into English. <laughs> his English into English. Yeah, right. Very good. Um, but uh, but the, the interesting thing here is that there is a great bleed over here in the Democratic base being for Biden. And you see this all over. Uh, among blacks, we talked earlier, Biden is uh, – Joe, I'm sorry – Trump is getting 22% of the black vote. He's getting 40% of the Latino vote. Wow. He's getting 50 he's getting 55% of the under 30 vote. Uh we don't have data on the LGBT community, but um these are all base elements of the Democratic Party and if they are defecting to Trump or leaving Biden, it really indicates that he's he's got some serious leakage in his tires, and uh, <laughs> and I think it's going to be it's going to be a big problem for him. He needs to be able to go out and campaign more to like, swing voters. More like leakage in his depends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. But that's I meant something that affects his mobility. <laughs> but the um, but it is fascinating that Greenberg and Carville both are saying right. that there's significant leakage in their vote. Right. Let's go to uh, Joe in New York. Hi. Hi. Yeah, hi. How are you? Uh, my name hey. is Joe Zeramita. I'm, I'm an hey. attorney in uh, New York for 40 years. Good. First, I want to say I love the show. Good. And also, I, I'm really impressed that you know so much about law that you're not a lawyer, but you've well, been around enough for the good ones. My father was a lawyer, and my wife is a lawyer, so I'm totally surrounded. Yeah, yeah. I know all about it. I, do, I, I tell everybody about the show, but here's the thing. So Trump is the king of making lemonade from lemons. So you know what? When he sits in that federal courtroom, yeah, he's gonna be writing his plans all day from nine to five. Yeah, they don't go five. They don't go for five days in federal court, uh, uh, normally. Normally, they go four days, mm -hmm. and then they do all the rest of the calendars on Friday. So Good. he'll effectively have Friday to Sunday. Good. But that Monday to Thursday, he'll be sitting there scrivening, not yeah. about the trial. Yeah, and and not just scribbling, he'll be. Uh, I, I assume he can. You can't take cell phones with you, can you? No, I don't think That's so. That's okay. Well, no, they, they can. They can have cell phones. The lawyers get the cell phones in federal court, so he'll be able. Since I mean, he should really get a cell phone. Maybe he can't talk, but maybe he can text. Okay. Yeah. Ah. That's good. Well, that's good. He can go to Truth Social and write stuff. You know. Right. So nah. That's a big deal. So I think he'll come around that, and he got around getting indicted. He can get around that too. Good. Know? It's my. Uh, Tenth day of in confinement. <laughs> Here are my notes. It's kind of what's like, your name again, Joe? I want to. I want to. Joseph Jeremiah. You can look it up. NYTrialLawyer.org. J. Joseph Jeremiah. G. I. A. R. A. M. I. T. A. 
Because I'll call you. You got that, Doug? Not exactly. But no, but give it, it to us again, Joe. NYTriallawyer.org. Okay, great. Good. We'll be in touch with you. I think yeah, we're going to be seeing just... a lot of you after March when Trump begins his sentence to be imprisoned in federal court. And we could pick your brain a little bit about yeah. things. Which is incredible. Um, Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Um, now, uh, the um, we all read that uh, Hunter Biden has now been indicted on nine counts of tax evasion. Uh, and this is in addition to the stupid indictment of him for lying on his gun application. I say oh. stupid because, you know, it's minor and they they simply did it so that they could say they indicted him for something and something that had no consequence in terms of his father's re-election or what he knows or his own criminal activity. Um, the earlier indictment was that he admitted that he was a cocaine addict but and and that he uh, and they asked him on the form, uh, "Have you used illegal drugs?" And he said no. So they indicted him for that. It's the only time when he was, I think, indicted by biased prosecutors against him. But the goal of it was to protect him so that he couldn't be indicted on really serious charges. Well, How was that? How was that? Well, the prosecutor in this case, Weiss, the special right. prosecutor. Uh, was under pressure to go after Hunter Biden. Oh, and everybody said, how come you're letting him go? And he said, I'm not letting him go. And he brought this indictment against him. Got it. An indictment for one of the tax charges, but a very flimsy one. I think it was just a failure to file, mm-hmm. not any of the substance of the form. And uh, he got savaged in the media. And the judge in the case uh, said, rejected the plea bargain. She said, I'm not going to accept this plea bargain. Yep. And she turned to uh, she turned to Hunter and the lawyer and said, are you planning to bring any other indictments against Hunter Biden for other charges? And the prosecutor said, no, this is it. And she then sent through the plea bargain back at him and said, I'm not going to accept this because this is not a plea bargain. It's a cover-up uh, to stop you from prosecuting for stuff that really counts. Mm. So Weiss was really stung by that and discredited by it. So he went back to the drawing board and said, okay, now we have to really go after Hunter for serious violations and uh, really you prosecute those. And the thought was that essentially he could, they could use that to get Hunter's end of his business dealings with Joe and get the information that they needed, mm-hmm. that Hunter was stonewalling. <clears throat> so they have just indicted Hunter in a very meaningful indictment on nine counts of tax evasion with long sentences and real consequences. And this is all part of pressuring him to testify about the true nature of his father's and his bribery dealings in China. He'll break. Yeah, he will. And uh, although his father has the power to pardon him. Well, that's why I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. They want to do this and get it done before the father's out of office so he could pardon him. Yeah, exactly. That's why you have to let it stall till exactly. after the end of the year, exactly. next year. No, no, but you need to bring it out now because you need the information out there. Right, now. right, right. All and right, Hunter so. has refused to testify. The reason Hunter refused to testify before Congress is a phony one. He said, I'll testify, but only in public because you manipulate testimony and take it out of context to defame me, and I'm not going to let you do that. 
<clears throat> now, that's, of course, garbage. But Hunter says I don't that. understand that strategy. Well, he's using that as an excuse not to testify. Got it. Saying that, you know, I'm the upholder of virtue. Why, they wouldn't want him to testify in public? No, because of- they... they, they Oh, the, the committee. The committee wants him to testify any time. Right. But they demanded be in public, and he used that as an excuse not to do it. Got it. So now the Joe Biden scandal has really widened to a point where it completely involves Hunter Biden. And Joe's fate in large part depends on what Hunter Biden says. Here comes the sun. <laughs> Here comes the sun. <laughs> Here comes the sun, S O N. It's Did I make a mistake? Yeah. <laughs> you done did good on that song. Yeah. I yeah, think Mr. Great. Morris. I think that's great. That was great. Son S O N. Yep. Absolutely. So um <laughs> so I think that, uh, and, and it's delightful, it's wonderful that Hunter now is facing serious charges because now we have some leverage over him. Now we can uh, close in on him and demand the answers to real questions about what he's done in China, what he did in Ukraine, what he did in Romania, all the stuff I write about in my book, Corrupt the Inside Story book, of by Biden's Dark Money. Yeah, I get it. It, that- it'll give you a, a fan's eye view of all the stuff that's coming down. And this will all be the substance of the impeachment trial of, of um, Joe Biden. People say, what's the point of impeachment? We can't get the Senate to remove him. I think that's true, but there's a trial there. Right. And in the trial, we can, first, our subpoena power will be huge in an impeachment trial, far more than in just a regular congressional committee. Oh, really? And we can really get to the bottom of a lot of this stuff. Sure. And there'll be a huge national forum because uh, it's an impeachment for president. So they're going to cover it wall to wall. We're going to have lots of testimony and argumentation that's presented. And, um, and it's really consequential. And I'm very glad that Johnson is going ahead with that trial. So if you look ahead to the fall, I mean to the spring, we're going to have Joe Biden being, being skewered in the testimony in the impeachment trial. We're going to have Donald Trump locked up in a closet in the federal courthouse, unable to come out. And we'll have Trump winning the primaries and becoming the Republican candidate. So that'll be the the status quo in March. So stick around. When we come back, the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Homeland Security Committee, I'm sorry, I meant House, both of them are fighting their loggerheads over a provision to expand federal surveillance of us. And uh, it's, it's really an opportunity to cut back and clip the wings of the national security establishment in subpoenaing ordinary American citizens. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. Tompkins Square Park and 77 WABC Both are real New York It's Sunday and you know what that means And this is the Dick Morris Show Presented by the Patriot Gold Group Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC Clowns to the 
Hi, welcome to the Dick Morris Show with Doug Shapiro and sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. So, at the core of the privacy issues of American citizens in the uh, increasingly intrusive uh, government establishment that really is prying into our lives Hmm. is Section 702, which allows the government to spy on foreigners located abroad without a warrant but also sweeps up Americans' communications in the process. So the government, when they want to spy on someone in the United States, needs a court-ordered court warrant. But if they're spying on somebody in a foreign country, they do not need a warrant. They don't need probable cause. And any communications that an American who can, who can demand a warrant is having with them uh, become become available to the investigators. Is this from the Patriot Act? Yeah, this is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, if you're, so if you want to make a phone call to somebody in Gaza and discuss plans to blow up Israeli forces, realize that your call is going to be monitored and can be used against you. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, if you are just talking about it among yourselves in the U.S., they need a warrant to go after them. Right. Now, the Intelligence Committee and the uh, Homeland Security Committee of the House want to include a requirement that the government has to get a warrant before it reviews information collected on Americans communicating with those being surveilled. The, the, uh, Homeland, that, that's the Judiciary Committee wants that requirement. Mm. They say that if, that if you pick up conversations involving an American citizen, you've got to get a warrant before you can analyze what you just picked up electronically. Uh, that's judiciary. And Homeland Security and the Intel Committee say, no, no, this is a very important part of our law, otherwise we'll be, our intelligence services will be, will be blind. Like time is of the essence type of thing also, like right yes, away, there is real that. time, real time? there is that, but there's also, I'm not even sure that that is the exclusive remedy for that, but uh, clearly the... Uh, but any communication that a foreigner is having with somebody who's in a sanctioned country. Mm. Um, oh, would I be, think it'd be talking about get me uh, uh, lemons from your country and bring them over. And yeah, then they could, yeah. yeah, something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. And these are Americans who, who are not even accused of doing anything. All they're doing is on, being on the phone with somebody who, who is being warrant, who's being surveilled pursuant uh. to a warrant. So a lot of innocent people get caught up in this, and it's a favorite collection tactic by the National Security Administration, the NSA, mm-hmm. revealed by Snowden, the, the famous, uh, I believe, patriot, uh, who, who unveiled the NSA surveillance stuff. And uh, now Judiciary wants to close that loophole, and the Homeland Security Committee and the Intel Committee say that such a requirement guts the purpose of Section 702, and leaves our law enforcement blind. And so there are two House committees. One is Intel and the other is Judiciary. Mm -hmm. And Judiciary is insisting that they have to have a warrant before they can pick up these incidental conversations involving Americans. And uh, Intel says, no, we should be able to continue to pick them up and 
use them as necessary. And what do you think their reasoning is? I thought it was for time. You know, for uh, they need it real time. They no, want to pick that, it up. That's part of it. But so, much of the things are not smoking gun stuff. They're not. Right. They're not urgent stuff. It's basically that they want the intel. This goes back to a fundamental division that took place at, during 9-11. We collected a lot of evidence yep. from various terrorists, including the uh, the the um, 21st hijacker. I, yep. uh, I forgot his name. Yeah, I know who you're talking and about. And he, uh, we surveilled him, and we found out that he was taking flying lessons in Minnesota. And not. And he said, I don't want to know land. how to take off or land. Right. I just want to know how to steer the plane. Yeah, and how and, to mug the, the pilot. And it was reported to uh, the CIA yeah. or the FBI, and they monitored it, and they, they uh, no- noted it. But they did not use that information to stop 9-11 from happening, although they could have. Mm-hmm. And they said that, no, there's a wall. They called it the Chinese Wall right. between intelligence gathering and prosecution. Right. I remember. And that. if we're going to use this information to investigate or prosecute an individual, there has to be pursuant to a warrant, and his rights have to be uh, held uh, held in, in, in mind. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if all we're trying to do is gather intel from a foreign source and from a foreign terrorist. We can just do that without any warrant, but we can't use the evidence in prosecution. Mm-hmm. Now, a horrible human being named Jamie Gorlick, who was yep. the uh, number two person in the Justice Department uh-huh. under another horrible person, Janet Reno. I remember And uh, Gorlick said, nope, you can't use this information for prosecution. Right. So we knew who the terrorists were, what bank accounts they were using, their fingerprints, their and I believe their photo ID. Yeah. Because they were all contained in the information. This guy, I think his name was Mustaka, was providing to our people. And we were able to find who got who was wiring money, who else was getting the wired money. Yeah. And Gorlick said, you can't use this because we didn't read him as Miranda rights and the uh, surveillance was not pursuant to a warrant. Creep. And and it was a big factor in making 9-11 possible. Uh, it, it's it's this gaping, gigantic hole. And uh, Bill Clinton ratified having that Chinese wall, and Gorlick talked him into it and got him to do it. Uh, and it was so proud. outrageous. And now this is really an effort to repeal that and to say no when you're gathering intel. You don't need to read them their, their rights. Uh, now, of course, if you're going then to use that material... To prosecute them, you then have to read them their rights, but you were entitled to have the material even if you didn't get a warrant before you got the material. So that's the issue between judiciary and intelligence. I'm for the intelligence. uh, I'm for the judiciary view. I think that you should have to have a warrant because I think it's an American citizen. Right. But the balance... I I remember when they went over this that you can get a warrant for something like this immediately, like overnight, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, you can. When just have to wake a judge up. Yeah. Right. But uh-huh. the, um, but it's a close question, because if you're more concerned about terrorism, uh, you, want the, you want them not to have to get a warrant. If you're more concerned about violation of our rights and government intrusion in our privacy and uh, polit- political purposes for that, uh, you want you want to side with the 
Judiciary Committee and keep these protections in place. Right. I'd love to get well, your opinions could, on that, folks. Right, right. Well, Dick, if you could get the warrant immediately, what's the big deal? You, the person knows there's a warrant. Oh, 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 oh that's the big deal. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and even if the warrant is secret, you have to demonstrate probable cause to a judge. And so you're, getting, you're giving up some information. Giving up info. Right. And it's taking a fair amount of time to do that. Okay. Just uh, and basically opinion. an intelligence gathering, I can say, okay, I think that Joe Sharp is a, is a terrorist, and therefore I want to intercept everything that he says. Right. But I can't say that, uh, that Dick Morris, who called Joe Sharp, uh, basically to discuss politics or something, uh-huh. uh, I, need, I have to have a warrant to pick up that conversation right. and investigate Dick Morris. So, um, and, and we don't know that it's going to involve Dick Morris until the phone call happens. So you can't start the surveillance until you have that information. This is with the warrant. Yeah, with the warrant. Right. So, all right. Without so a warrant, you just mind. go with the flow and you see what's said and you pick it up. Um, well, wouldn't that guy named Joe Sharp, wouldn't it be Joe Schmo? No, it might be <laughs> Joe, uh, Sh- <laughs> Joe Muhammad Sharpe. <laughs> No, but I am changing my mind. Originally, I said, no, I think you should get the warrant. Yeah. But if There's a valid said, case on both sides. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. I want them to be able to yeah. keep it a secret, what they know. And Right, okay, very good. So um, let's go to Steve in BK. What's that? Brooklyn? Yeah? Hi, Steve. Very interesting what you're saying. Um, the strategy they're using against Hunter Biden for the lesser things is the old Al Capone approach. Yeah, you're right. They got him on um, tax evasion when right. they, couldn't, they couldn't nail the jello to the wall any yeah. other way. So <laughs> it's also Rudy Giuliani's excellent approach with the broken glass theory. Yep, best guy in the world right there. Yep. Right. He, he came up with the same thing. The yep. whole point of both strategies, including the present one, is you can't really nail them down on the major issue we're really thinking about. So you use a side approach, a lateral or peripheral vision approach, to get them on something they haven't really thought much about as being bad. There's there's one difference, uh, Steve. Uh, What we want from Hunter Biden is not so much information to prosecute him. We have enough of that. What we want to learn from him is what he did in China and Ukraine Uh and Romania and all of those countries and Moscow. And to get that, we need leverage over him. And the leverage in this case with these these indictments gives us not just an opportunity to lock him up for something that wasn't the main thing he did. It gives us the chance to probe him and get information uh, and put him under oath and get it. So it serves an investigatory purpose that I think is, is really paramount here. Right, right, absolutely. Let's go to Don in North Carolina. Hi, Don. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Yeah, the um, James Biden has been um, also called to testify before Congress. Is, um, how much of an impact is that going to have? on the polling and whatnot. Well, James Biden was involved, as I write about in my book, Corrupt, in three corrupt transactions. One is that he got in touch with the president of Costa Rica, and he said, hey, 
why don't we develop solar energy in your country because the sun's shining all the time. And he and the president of Costa Rica agreed, and James set up a, a company to develop solar energy in the tropics, and which is like es- ice for Eskimos. <laughs> and um, they set up this company, and if they, ch- they funneled money to Joe Biden mm-hmm. uh, from James. <clears throat> and uh, Joe uh, and Jill wrote a check to James Biden for $200,000. Oh, right. We're not quite clear on what it's for, but we think it may be his share of the money from these transactions we're talking about. Uh, James Biden also uh, set up a company to rebuild Iraq after the war and got a lot of defense contracts to do that. And again, he had no expertise in construction or anything any more than he did in solar energy. It was just putting out a contract there and collecting some money that he could funnel to his uh, to Hunter's brother and, and well, I'm sorry, to uh, James Biden, his Joe Biden's brother, and that he could fight and funnel to his brother Joe. Joe Bri- Bryden. Joe Bryden. Yeah, Bryden. Right. Can't say it. Okay, now when we come back, I have two topics. The head of the University of Pennsylvania had to resign uh, by camp- over countenancing anti-Semitism and Um, there's a young lady who I really like a lot and I've always worked with named Hillary Clinton. Oh, God. Who has just taken major steps to get involved in the campaign if Biden doesn't run. Just one one thing before we go, Dick. Um, One of the callers mentioned Rudy Giuliani, most amazing mayor in New York. I just have to bring that up. Every time I hear his name, I get excited. He's so amazing. What is the, the Rudy fun? Dot com? Yeah, Fund Rudy, I think. Or You're right. So we got to look Rudy. that up on the way yeah. back. Yeah. That guy was amazing. Okay, good. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. This is Dick Morris Show with Dick Morris and uh, Doug DePiro. Hello. And sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Um, the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Elizabeth McGill, uh, was forced to resign yesterday um, in a controversy over her testimony before the before the. Congress. Uh, she was asked. Uh, she, she was asked why she did not crack down harder on Pennsylvania University students who were overtly advocating genocide and yelling "Kill the Jews" and Hitler was right and all that kind of stuff. No way. And um, yeah, well, these are well-educated students who obviously have, have studied the matter hard and <laughs> think it's okay to kill six million people. Yeah. Right. Um, so during her testimony, McGill gave lawyerly responses to a complicated question asked by Representative Elise Stefanik, Republican of New York, who I really like, who said that students had chanted support for intifada, an Arabic word which means uprising, and that many Jews hear as a call for violence against, violence against them. After parrying back and forth with uh, President McGill, 
Stefanik asked, calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or har harassment? And if it did, she could impose sanctions on them. Mm. And uh, McGill replied, if it's directed and severe, pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. But everybody interpreted that to realize how limited her window is for harassment. And uh, McGill herself apologized and said, in that moment, I was focused on a university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been, been the irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetuate. Can perpetuate. It's evil, plain and simple. And this goes back to an issue we've discussed. What is free speech and what is, according to Oliver Wendell Holmes, crying fire in a crowded theater? And uh, if the students are saying that we hate the Jews and they're terrible in free Palestine, that's free speech. But if they're saying kill the Jews, that's, protected, that's actionable speech under the definition of yelling fire in a crowded theater. So um, I think the University of Pennsylvania was right to fire her, and I think that they were right to pursue that. So we, I'm glad that we got rid of her, and uh, let's hope we get rid of some of the other university presidents that do not crack down on pro-Palestinian demonstrations. But it ain't me. song he sings, Go Away From My Window, Leave At Your Own Chosen Speed. Doug, I hope you know that I did the Johnny Cash version, not the Bob Dylan version, Thank because you. I know how you feel about Dylan. I like Dylan. I do. You, you play him too much. Okay. Right. <laughs> He's good. Um, okay. Now, um, we have uh, news about Hillary Clinton. Uh-oh. Clinton had a fundraiser at her home in Washington and raised a million dollars for Joe Biden. A million and she, bucks. million. And she's taking speech opportunities to be a surrogate for Joe Biden and to talk about what a great president he is <laughs> and, uh, and how he ought to be reelected. Oh, yeah. In fact, she says, don't vote for a third-party candidate. Uh, I lost the White House in part because there were two third-party candidates who got votes and voters threw them away rather than voting for me. Now, of course, I think voting for Hillary is throwing things away. Throwing <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> the country she, away. Yeah. Uh, but she's now vigorously opposing third-party candidates and saying that we really need to back Joe Biden. Who and were the third-party candidates with her? I don't uh, remember. Kennedy and Cornell West and maybe... No, Jill, no, maybe when, when Hillary was running. Oh, Jill Stein, who was at the Green Party, who's running again now uh -huh. and getting 1% or 2% of the vote. And um, another guy whose name I forget. Right. Well, I, didn't, um, I forgot about that. And, but, you know, there were, nobody had, nobody was for those people. They just didn't want to vote for Hillary or for Trump, and right. this was a way that they could do that. Right. But this raises the question of what is Hillary's role going to be this year? 
uh, I believe that we're into the primary season now, and it's clear that Biden is going to win these primaries, and that Biden delegates mm-hmm. will show up at the Democratic convention set to renominate. And it's clear that at that point, Trump will be the Republican candidate, newly released from the men's room in Foley Square. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and that, That's uh, so wrong. <laughs> You just come up with some of this stuff. I don't know. And that, uh, and that he'll be campaigning for president if they let him. Um, but everybody in the Democratic Party will be scared to death that Biden is going to lose. Because he, if you think he's behind Trump now, mm. wait until then. Mm. Uh, behind Biden now, wait until then. So there'll be a desperate search by the Democrats for another candidate. And they'll figure that we don't want to put that candidate through the rigors of primaries and debates and all that. And they might have to spell out their views on things like reparations and mandatory minimum sentences and gun control and stuff like that. Well, we might be, but I think we might be talking about Hillary. Ooh, Um, oh, yeah, right. You said that from the beginning. Because there is no doubt that Hillary wants to run. Uh, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah. Michelle, there's there's doubt, and uh, Hillary is quite willing to step ah, up and do that. You did say and this every thing. single time Hillary does anything in public. You know, there's a reason for it, right? Right. And I think that there's a reason why she is so vocal, and she's getting so vocal and active in this election. I think it's the version of the on deck circle. Yes, and I, I think, think she's you're waiting right. for a deadlock for there, there to be this conundrum. Which is Biden has the delegates, but we don't want Biden to be to run for president because we think Trump is going to beat him. So what are we going to do? Answer: Turn to Hillary, draft her, put right. her on the ticket, and make it a Hillary Donald Trump re- race. You know, race. I was so locked into Michelle. I yeah. really, I know you disagreed with me, but I yeah. believe with Michelle. No, I'm much more worried Hillary. about Hillary. I think you're point. right now. Yeah. Good. All right, Dick well, thank Morris. you. It's this an was honor, fun, guys. Thank honor, you, sir. Take care, later, brother. And just remember, here comes the sun. <laughs> <laughs> S O N. S O N.